We have been married almost 37 glorious and wonderful years. We've been married almost 52 years. 37 of them have been glorious and wonderful. And uh, when God restored our marriage, well, let me, let, me, let me back up for a second, because repentance and reconciliation were immediate, but restoration was a process. And it took us a, a, a year or more to learn what it meant to have the kind of marriage that God wanted us to have. By the way, we're still working on that. He's still working on me. <laughs> She's already perfect. She doesn't need any, any, any work. Oop, my message just went away. <laughs> Don't touch it. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's good to be here. We, uh, but by the way, we do have copies of our book, God's Blueprint for Marriage or Dios Planos para el matrimonio, if you're interested in any of those, the proceeds from those go to the uh, jail ministry. And uh, gee, it's good, to, it's just, I'm excited. Haven't the first two messages been really great? That's where you all clap, right? Yeah. Makes me wish we'd have gone first. That way we wouldn't have to follow such good teaching. It was, it's been really good. People often ask, what does a good marriage look like? But they're actually asking the wrong question. It's not what a good marriage looks like. It's what a godly marriage looks like. We asked the wrong question until we were we asked the wrong question until we were confronted by the power of prayer in changing our marriage. It was in about 1986. I was called to a church to serve as the worship pastor, and they said, "Now you understand, Jim. We meet at six o'clock Monday through Friday morning, and we pray the Lord's Prayer for an hour." I thought. That is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. Our Father. How do you stretch that for an hour? On the other hand, now I'm an S disc jockey, okay? I figured, I don't know how many times I could say the Lord's Prayer in an hour, but I can talk pretty fast. Our Father who art in heaven, how would be thy name? They come to that will be done on earth as given. How many times could I do that in an hour? But then what I discovered was it's not praying the Lord's Prayer as a recitation, although there's certainly nothing wrong with praying the Lord's Prayer as a recitation. But I believe that Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray an outline of the Lord's Prayer. So when we say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. First of all, we're honoring God and hallowing his name means to, to declaring he is holy. But the thing that's really struck me, especially lately, is that Father part. Because he wants us to relate to him as, as, as Daddy. He is Abba, Father. He's, he's Daddy God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come... 
Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. This is, this is what really slapped me in the face. Now, my wife and I had a bad marriage. People who said they had a good marriage, I thought they were lying. I thought there was, no, I thought it really can't get any better. Couldn't get any worse, but I can't imagine it being any better either. And I knew Marcia was the problem. And I knew Jim was the problem. See, I would pray, God change Marcia. And I would, I would pray, God change Jim. See, we, we, we blamed each other for our issues. We blamed each other for our problems. But then I, as, as, as I prayed, thy kingdom come, thy, by the way, that is not a request. It's Lord, please make your kingdom come. Please cause your will to be done. It's a declarative faith statement. Literally, it's come kingdom of God, be done will of God. And as I prayed, God changed Marcia, and as I continued to do this, it was like I got slapped in the face with a wet dish rag. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, you talk about getting my attention because I found out that Marcia wasn't as much of the problem as I was. I was the one who really had a problem and I quit playing, praying, God change Marcia, and started praying, God change me. It's amazing how when I changed my prayer from God change Marcia to God change me, how my, how, how my attitude toward her changed, how much different she seemed. It seemed like as I was praying, God change Marcia, God was moving in her as well, and I saw changes taking place in her life. Not necessarily because of what she was doing, but because what I was seeing, I was no longer seeing her as the issue. I was no longer seeing her as the problem. I was seeing her as a woman who deserved more than I was willing to give her up to that point. And so I would pray, come kingdom of God, be done will of God, in my life until I'm willing to pray, God, come in my life, kingdom of God, come in my life, will of God done and be in, in, in my life. I have no right to pray for God to move in her. And then as I prayed, I would pray, come kingdom of God, be done, will of God in my life. Nobody but Jesus is going to control my life. And then I would pray for Marcia. After I prayed for me, I would pray for Marcia. But I wouldn't pray God change Marcia. I would declare that she's a Proverbs 31 woman. I would say, nobody but Jesus is going to have my wife. She is a Proverbs 31 woman, and devil, you keep your hands off of my wife. And at the same time that he's changing his prayer life to reflect the Lord's prayer, I was changing mine. And I would come to that uh, kingdom of God come, be will of God be done in my life. And I, I prayed, our relationship was so bad. He lived his life, I lived mine. 
thought we were under the same roof. And I didn't even like him. And so I first had to start there, <clears throat> good place to start, and ask God to make me the kind of woman that he needed me to be. Make me or cause me to fall in love with him. And I could see this picture in my mind. Every time I would pray a prayer of God, make me be what he needs or um, make me, help me to fall back in love with him. I, I pictured this basket uh, and I would, I, I saw God like putting all these prayer requests in this basket. And so at the, um, at the appropriate time, and we don't actually get into that, but I felt like it, it was like God had dumped that basket over Jim and I. And for the very first time in our marriage, we fell in love with each other. And, I, and it wasn't what I did. It wasn't what I was praying. It was God. It was all God and how he restored our marriage and helped and helped us walk where we are today as, in, as husband and wife. In our book, we talk about what, what, what our marriage was like before Jesus. And I didn't realize what a jerk I was until I read my own book, until I read our book. And then when I discovered that I was the one that needed to change, then all of those issues that we had, we were, we were actually discussing how we were going to split the sheets, how we were going to separate. And we fell so much in love that it was like, you know, I, th I think our kids were embarrassed to be around us because we could no longer keep our hands off of each other. We were just so much in love with each other. I'd go that far, but <laughs> Gabriel, shut your ears. <laughs> but we were—it's—it's uh, it's amazing what God did when we learned to pray. God changed me because when you give God permission to change, He's a gentleman. He's not going to work on you unless you give Him permission to do so. But when you say, God, change me, now you've opened the door for him. Now, he brings the conviction that you need to change. But he's not going to make you change. You've got to be willing to do so. And then we pray, forgive us our... I never do... It, 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 we've been... a part of this church now for over uh, close to 13 years and I never know if it's forgive us our debts or forgive us our trespasses so what I do is I'll so when we're praying the Lord's Prayer I'll say I'll go and forgive us our and wait and see what everybody else says and then I'll follow with as we forgive those who against us but when we reach that point in the prayer when we reach that point in the prayer, 
we have to recognize when he says, forgive us our debts, trespasses, as we forgive, the, as, as he forgives those who trespass against us, we have to look at the fact that when he hung on the cross, he looked across the span of time at Jim and Marcia and all of you and said, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. We were, we were in, in such a mess. But when we got to the point where we were willing to say, forgive us, Lord, I can remember when we were, we were there at that point where we felt a love and I asked Marcia to forgive me. It's as though something broke. And it was really then that I, I, I came to that point where I just felt so stinkingly much in love, is it, can I put it that way? Stinkingly much in love with her that I just, I didn't know a person could love somebody as much as I loved her then. And here we are 30 some years later and I love her more today than I did then. But we had to come to that point where we realized the importance of forgiveness in the marriage. Because if, if Jesus forgave me as he hung on the cross, then how can I not forgive? When his instructions were, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, for as we forgive our debtors, what does that mean? That means we are instructed to forgive. And when I pray that prayer, and, and I'm, I'm focusing on that section of the prayer, I'll declare this. I choose today to forgive any offense before it occurs. I choose to forgive any offense before it occurs. Now, does that mean that I don't get offended? No, but what it does mean is I've, I've opened the door for the Holy Spirit to bring conviction when I do choose to try to hold on to an offense. We were doing some premarital counseling. It was actually postmarital counseling because of, of, the, of the circumstances. They need to get married, needed to get married before we could. They didn't need to get married. I didn't mean to put it that way. But they got married before they were had an opportunity to do the premarital counseling. And so we did postmarital premarital counseling. And <laughs> on the last session, we were going to have a, a dinner for them. It was a, a, a hamburger vegetable soup that Marsha makes that's so good. We, they were gonna have dinner with us. They were, they were close friends. They were actually some of our spiritual kids. And uh, Marcia called me when I was at the church and said, would you bring home a can of tomato sauce? So when I left the house, I stopped at the grocery store and I bought a can of tomato paste. I'm one of these that if it calls for one and a half cups of sugar, I put one and a half cups of sugar. I don't put almost one and a half or 
over one and a half, it's one and a half. So the recipe called for tomato sauce. But not, I bought tomato soup. Not tomato, tomato paste. Tomato paste. <laughs> so I get home and I hand her the tomato paste. And uh, she became angry with me because I bought... Have you ever heard this? You never listened to me. You should have bought, you should have heard what I said. I bought tomato paste. She said, you should have bought tomato sauce. So what I said was, all you have to do is add water to tomato paste and it becomes tomato sauce. That was not the right thing to say. So I storm out of the house. Now remember, we're getting ready to do marriage counseling. I literally stormed out of the house to go to the grocery store to get my tomato sauce. On the way, I passed the couple that was coming to our house. So anyway, I got the sauce, came back home, uh, and put the sauce in, and by that time, both of us are eaten up with guilt because we got mad at each other. And so, so uh, before we actually started the counseling, I asked her to come into the bedroom with me and asked her to forgive me for a... Not listening. <laughs> actually, I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say buying tomato paste. paste instead of tomato sauce. and But more importantly, asked her to forgive me for, for, for my response when she became angry. And I asked him to forgive me. I still wanted the tomato sauce, but... So I'm never one to, 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 to not take advantage of, a, of, 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 of an object lesson. So we're talking with them that night about forgiveness. And so I tell this story as an illustration of, of how the Holy Spirit can move in our hearts and bring us conviction if we give him the opportunity to do that by making the decision not to be offended before the offense occurs. So, and I tell the story and I said, and so I bought tomato paste instead of tomato sauce. And this young woman said, Well, everybody knows if you add water to tomato paste, you have tomato sauce. I wanted to slap her, but <laughs> I didn't think that would fit in very well with counseling. It was, uh, but we really do need to learn. We really do need to learn how to forgive. We have to learn how to say, I'm not going to be offended. I choose today. It's my prayer. I choose today to not be offended. And you can't offend me. Now, I might have a spiritual relapse. That's a nice way of saying a, uh, I might get mad. I might have a, a spiritual relapse, but because I've made that statement in faith, I know that the Holy Spirit 
is going to bring me that conviction and I will overcome through him that tendency to become offended. You know, we live in a world today where it seems like everybody's mad. You know, we just fly off the handle and shoot somebody or, or whatever. And I saw this, and I read this in an article, and I thought this was so good. We live in a world that despises the sacrificial side of marriage and tries to explain it away. The world teaches us to strive for power, control the upper hand in a relationship. It tells us to do what feels good and feels right and not to tolerate anything less and if we have to tolerate anything less we get mad it fools us into thinking that love is about doing what makes us happy and the second we feel less than happy it encourages us to bail to abandon ship and to stop investing to give up on love you read the book of James, you come to realize that love is a choice. It's not an emotion. Yes, there is emotion involved, but it's a choice. And you can choose to love or you can choose not to. I choose to love. You know, marriage this is your line, but I've already started on it. <laughs> Marriage is not about getting, but it's about giving. It's not about getting, it's about giving. In Ephesians chapter 1. Pastor Virgil already touched on this some. It, it, it says that we are to love as Christ loved the church as as and gave himself up for her be lovers of god as beloved children and walk in love even as christ loved there's nowhere that i have found anyway that it says that wives are to love their husbands the bible is specific about Wives submit. And what Pastor Virgil said is, yeah, submit has become a dirty word. In the 1970s, women's livers, you're probably all too young. Well, not all of you, but a lot of you are too young to know this. But anyway, they came out with women's rights. We can do anything that a man can do. Well, I always thought, why would I want to? You know, if I have a flat tire, I don't want to change my tire. And uh, I grew up in a home where my dad was very protective of mom and me. And I never even filled my car up with gas. Usually, Jim fills my car up with gas. But anyway, it says women are to submit to their husbands. That's not, ladies, you're not being a doormat. Submission isn't 
husband goes into the kitchen, or wife goes into the kitchen, and the husband says, hey, can you bring me a Coke? That's not submission. Submitting to him as the head of your home. And if you submit to your husband as the head of your home, then that allows God to move in and work through all the stuff that marriage has between husband and wife. But if we balk and say, I'm not going to submit, I'm not going to be that doormat where he can just wipe his feet on me, you you missed the whole point. Ephesians says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let's go back to verse 1. Or what does it say? It says, walk as beloved children and, and love as Christ did, gave himself up. And then it says, give yourself up for your bride as Christ gave up his bride for his bride, the church. Giving yourself up for her means yielding to her. It means it's really mutual submission is what it is. We have an interesting time when we're trying to decide where we're going to have dinner. Sweetheart, where would you like to go for dinner tonight? Oh, I don't know. Where do you want to go? I don't care wherever you want to go. I just want to make you happy. Well, I just want to make you happy. What are you hungry for? I I think I want to go to Five Guys. Anywhere but there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... Where are we going to go? It's not going to be five guys. Why? Because I'm not going to push the issue. I really have nothing against five guys. It was the first thing that came to my mind. (laughs) I'm going to defer to her. I know what she likes. And I'm probably then would have suggested someplace she likes in the first place. Why? Because I love her, and I give myself up for her, just as Christ gave himself up for his bride, the church. It's mutual submission. I'm going to close with this scripture. It's Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, through love, serve one another. So the key is mutual service. Mutual service. What that means is that I'm here to serve her. God did not put her in my life for her to serve me. God put her in my life for me to serve her. And whether or not she ever serves me is irrelevant because God did not put her in my life to serve me. God put her in my life for me to serve her. And the opposite is for me. God didn't put Jim in my life to serve me. God put Jim in my life to serve him. So see, we have that mutual servanthood uh, between each other, and that's what God wants. God wants us to serve one another in love. Let's pray. Father God, 
Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's tough to, to admit that we need to change. Sometimes it's tough for us to admit that we've been offended. But Lord, I pray for each of us that we would remember to pray like you told us to pray and to put one another first, that we would declare your kingdom of God to come over our lives and that we would choose to be forgivers rather than be offended. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you guys so much.